Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Racing Lives. My name's Aurélie, Aurélie Donzelot. And in this podcast, I use motorsport as an excuse to chat to some of the most inspiring women I know. Each week brings a different guest and we discuss everything from career beginnings to what it's truly like to be involved in one of the fastest sports in the world. My guest today needs no introduction, which would make this podcast opening rather strange, so we'll proceed regardless. If you've worked or researched motorsport with any interest in media relations, then you will have heard of this pretty amazing lady. She held the role of team press officer for Williams F1 for 12 years, during which they secured no less than six constructors' championships and has been asked back no less than four times over the years. She's worked in communication roles for A1GP, BMW Motorsport, Sauber F1, many, many F1 circuits around the world, racing drivers, including the touring car champion um, Andy Prio, and more recently joined W Series when it launched. She has mentored countless aspiring motorsport PRs, including myself over the years, and is one of the most knowledgeable, supportive, and perhaps most importantly, fun person I've had the pleasure to work alongside. Can you tell I'm a huge fan yet? I would love to introduce my guest today as legendary, but I know she's not going to let me. So I shall simply say that she's known and loved universally throughout motorsport. My guest today is Anne Bradshaw. What a load of baloney. What a load of baloney. Somebody's done a great PR job on you on my behalf and I I think I I should employ them. If they can do that sort of PR on myself, they deserve a job in this sport. <laughs> well, no one's done a PR. I think it's a group illusion. Then. You've managed to uh, you can, wink a whole load of us. I think you can con people. It's it, true. For 50 years. I was going to say, the consistency is pretty impressive. That's tough. Well, you've got to keep, keep, keep on message. You know it, the PR, don't change your message. So would you say you got away with it then? I totally, totally got away with it. If you'll allow me, I'd love to start at the beginning and ask you a very simple question, which probably has a very complicated answer, which is when and where did your racing life begin? Right. My racing life began at the British Racing Sports Car Club based in Chiswick 
1971. And that's where that's my first job in motorsport. I'd been a journalist up to then. And I, through friends, got offered a job there um, working for a lovely man called Nick Sarrett, who was the boss of, of, of the, uh, the whole organization. And we, we, we ran races. We had centers around the country, but I was in the headquarters and we ran uh, races at Brands Hatch. So that, that's, that's where I started organizing. I, I, I went from being a journalist to, to being a race organizer. And were you, were you already a fan of motorsport at the time? Oh, total. I mean, it's a family thing. You know, you get families, some families are football, some are cricket, boxing, that sort of thing. It was a family, a, a family, particularly my brother. I mean, my parents loved, loved the sport, but my, particularly my brother, who used to do a bit of rallying, I mean, not, not professional or anything, but um, yeah, he used to do some club rallyings. And um, yeah, but little girl, we were dragged along to races. I come from a farming family and all my friends had ponies. You know, they, they were the pony club people. I was terrified of horses. But on top of that, my brother threatened me that if I showed any interest in horses, it would do no good. So from a kid, I mean, my parents used to go and, and marshal on rallies when my brother was taking part. And I was on the back seat in my, in my sort of cot sort of thing. So, yeah, always been there. Always a family thing. Is that the, the part you mentioned, being in the back of the car whilst your parents marshalling? Is that your earliest memory? I was told about that because I actually was a little bit too young. I was sort of in the cradle. Um, I'm trying to think of my earliest memory. Most likely going to, to Mallory Park with my brother and, and standing at the, the S's, at the Lake S's, and watching bikes and cars rush around there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was perhaps when I was in really sort of uh, my, my teens. I mean, I yeah, we used to go there. Used to go to Snetterton. I mean, I remember watching Jim Clark race the Lotus Cortina around Snetterton and things like that. So I'm pretty sure my age. But yeah, um, they, they were the sort of things I, I I remember before even anything like the um, you know, the F1. But also, I my father because we lived near the A1. My father used to walk me down the road in January to watch the cars go by who were on their way to the Monte Carlo Rally. Because in those days, the Monte Carlo Rally had starting points all around the world well europe perhaps was a bit yeah. and they always just start in i think it was edinburgh and so i used to stand at the bottom of the road. we only lived a couple of hundred yards up the road and so i used to stand there with my father watching these cars go by on the way to going down to dover to go down to france and do the rally so and and then the rec rally used to run stages quite near where i live a place called fine shade which is about two or three miles up the road here and I used to go and watch the cars there so yeah they were sort of my earlier memories not you know that that was as, as a, a youngster. Do you feel it was a given that you'd end up working in motorsport or did it come and found you when you were trying to hide away from it? A difficult one because obviously I mean when I was at school I wanted to be an actress as you can imagine but my parents thought that was not sensible anyway then I really wanted to be a journalist which I, I did become a journalist for a local newspaper and it was one of those things, I had lots of friends who worked in the sport, d- doing various things. Like a, It was a very good friend, lived in the village, and he used to run the motorhome for Yardley BRM. And it, literally, one day he rang me and said, oh, my, my, my girlfriend, who has been to see her old boss, who, who runs r- race meetings, and he's desperate for somebody. And we thought about you, because we know that you know, you're fed up with journalism, you're, you're sort of looking for something else. And it literally was that, it was a phone call. Uh, went down to Cheswick, met this lovely guy, got offered a job, and 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 started. So yeah, it was, it wasn't 
that I was looking for it, but obviously the opportunity would, would have just been, I'd have jumped at it and, and I was given the opportunity. That's brilliant. How long until we get to my favourite part, which is you working for Williams in their absolute heyday? And I actually feel bad saying that because I wish their heyday was still now. But yeah. it's that period which is legendary with all those wins and all those amazing drivers. How how did you end up working for that team? Well, I mean, obviously I, I worked for the BRSCC. Then I, I, I went back to journalism, to autosport. And I, was, I went back to rallying. I was assistant rallies editor there. And then, yeah, then I got offered a job at, the REC, which was REC MSA in those days, it's just the MSA now, governing body, as their press head of press and PR. So I was running the press office for the British Grand Prix and REC Rally and CART Grand Prix and the London Brighton Veteran Run. And then I got approached by a company called CSS. There's a guy called Andrew Marriott, Barry Gill, who I knew well, who ran. I, I knew them because they they did PR for the likes of Marlborough and JPS. So they were we were working beside each other when I ran the, the British Grand Prix press office because they were looking after the sponsor. And then they approached me and said, look, you know, we've got this client called Canon. They've signed a deal to go and sponsor Williams and, and they want somebody to go and work to be the press officer for them and work alongside the team. And that's how it started in, in 85. So, yeah, I, I took that job. And then, yeah, so I worked through this agency, but my what, only job was... Williams because we were also their sponsorship finders and I I stayed there and it was the end of 93 that that actually Canon finished with them Rossman started obviously I was working for the team for the, for the sorry for the agency so my contract said you can't go and work for a client yeah but they're on such good terms when they, they had a word with Frank and who wanted me to work for him and just said oh no problem and they let me let me go directly and work for Williams. So that's that's how it came. I I then went for the team, but up to then, I was working for them. But I working for them at, from through an agency, which is often the way. Actually, most of us end up starting yeah. motorsport through an agency, which is pretty good experience, yeah. I think. Oh yeah, I mean it's a great. Uh, Tony Jardine worked there. I had some great fun. I did a year going around the world with him, which was perhaps the most traumatic time of my life. He was just so, so naughty and so funny. This goes into the stories that you're not allowed to tell on, isn't it? You warned me about that. I'm going to t- I, I can tell you this one. He was so naughty. Uh, French Grand Prix, Fiona Miller, who's with WEC and myself and Tony, we all worked. Tony was doing JPS. I was doing Canon. Fiona was looking after sponsors, Mobile with Williams. And, they booked us into this, well, apartment. They call it, you know, it was an apartment that was supposed to sleep six in in Bandol, but basically, it was a room with a little compartment. And and Tony was so badly behaved. Fiona and myself would sort of try and just go to sleep in the evening, and there'd be Tony running around wearing a. I, I always remember him deciding to put a a sheet on like Gandhi's nappy and impersonating him then we walk to the fridge open the fridge door to get a drink which is most like a bottle of, of rope from and drop his drop his nappy and oh things like that it was it was hilarious but <laughs> that was it was great fun those days oh that's absolutely brilliant well we often say that the uh the good days were those days and we're a little we're having to be a little a little bit more well behaved nowadays Oh, ab- absolutely! The things we things we used to get up to, and the parties we used to have, and uh, I remember 
there was always my birthday around that time because my birthday's in July and parties we used to have around, you know, in in, in Bandol and um, all those little seaside resorts that along the coast. Cassis, we used to sometimes stay in Cassis. And, oh, you know, I remember every so often we'd, we'd be around the, this lovely hotel in Cassis and we'd be around the swimming pool drinking and making noise and I'd get somebody somebody nice like Joe Ramirez from McLaren come and tell us to shut up and go to bed and things like that. But, Oh, brilliant. Be an international incident these days. <laughs> My birthday's always around the Monaco Grand Prix. In the last few years, oh. I've had to be quite tame, unfortunately. But um, yeah, there's definitely some uh, yacht-related parties that I uh, I look fondly back on. Yeah. Well, the purpose of the people that might be listening, I mean, the likelihood it's all our mates that are going to listen, but for anyone that's listening that actually doesn't work in motorsport, what would you say is the biggest misconception about the jobs that you've held? Glamorous. Yeah, people say, "Oh, it must be so glamorous." You know, they 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 think all we do is is wander around, sit in motorhomes, chit chat with drivers, and they actually forget that we have to do an awful lot of work. We have to, well, I suppose the best way is we have to control drivers, which is never easy. Yeah, they they you know they, because we we're we're in, we're in charge of of a brand, which is a team we're working for, and we're in charge of making sure that we get the right story over the right image and that and on top of that you've got a driver who isn't always happy so you've got to look after you've got to make sure unhappy drivers it doesn't get out there you've also got to make sure that you you keep keep honest with the press and not try and bullshit them and that sort of thing and you know you've just got to work away there's a lot of writing be done. There's a lot of organising. There's a lot of scheduling. You know, you, you, with with the various things. And uh, and you, as I say, you've not just got you've just not got two drivers. Then you've also got a team principal. You've got a chief engineer, chief designer, and you've got to make sure that you you look after all of them. That that when the media want stories, they get the right stories. Because as I say, if if we don't look after the media, we don't have a job. And uh, so yeah, it's 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 not quite that glamour, especially in some stressful times. There's some, let's be honest, say we all know if you're winning, it's wonderful. But if you're not winning, or or if you're having, you know, if, if something happens, then it really is quite daunting sometimes because you've got to tread a very tight line between what you tell the media and 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 looking after, you know, the best the the best um, way to to defend the team. Yeah, and more often than not, it's doing that whilst trying to be as truthful as honest as fair as possible and when you've got seven different identities that you're trying to keep happy it's not actually a job we're very good at juggling I think Uh, yes I think that's a very 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 good way of describing it yeah yeah because you you do and uh, I say our job we are the we are the forward-facing people but behind the cameras so our job is to keep well out of the way of the cameras but to but to influence what comes out in the papers and the on the tv and the radio so it's it's difficult because you have to make sure that that you're a bit of a yeah magician that you have to sort of say well here you are there's 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 something and it's not very nice but i'm going to wave my magic wand and it's going to come out right for us so yeah i like that magician is a very very good way of putting it and it makes it sound great so i'll totally love that one (laughs) we are great As, as, as somebody once said to me Many years ago, one of my favourite people in the sport, if it was easy, women would do it. Oh, 
<laughs> oh, if only they knew. <laughs> what about? I always find that motorsport being so, so competitive, we might not be the competitors ourselves, but I actually end up feeding on that competition. And I find myself being competitive with what I do. We often joke about who gets the first, you know, the first press release out after. Totally. How do you, how do you live that? How do you, do you find yourself being very competitive? Are you competitive anyway? I'm competitive in my job. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as you say, getting, getting the press release, I'm, Back in the old days, she says, before of all the internet stuff, of course, we, we had a photocopier and we'd write the press release and then rush around the, the press office, giving it to every journalist in whatever language they wanted. And I was so annoyed if I was not first, you know, or, or definitely even more annoyed if I was last. And, but luckily there was one guy who was always last. So we always knew there's no, no, no worry about that. We were, he was always going to be last. Because, but his, his was the most beautiful. It was the best written press release. It was amazing. Yeah, at a cost. <laughs> <laughs> he was last. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you are competitive. You, you know, let's be honest, say, when you see uh, an article that you've worked on placing and it gets in a national magazine, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, sort of the, the report on a Monday morning in, in the in the national papers or something. I'm, I'm talking about you know if you, if you if you work on somebody and you you see you you, you get Vogue or you get Newsweek or you get Forbes or one of those, and you you see an article or you know the Sunday Times those sort of things. That that's a great feeling of satisfaction. And you think, oh God, I got that one. Uh, yeah, you are competitive because you want that to be about your team. If, if they've got the space, you want the space to be. Your story, your team's story. Definitely. Also, when you've worked on a really, really great feature and you've collaborated, you've put, you know, you might have pulled a special, specific car to go with it, a specific driver, who knows. You've put all that blood, sweat into it and it comes out and it's just in a beautiful page. You might even get the cover. Dream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, oh, and a front cover. Oh, I, I, I did get a I get a Sunday Times front cover, not in F one, but in sports cars, and that was my favorite. My my even Autosport said, "What a coup to get the front cover of the Sunday Times magazine." <laughs> that was my that's that's I still talk about that today. I'm, I'm you know that that happened that happened back in the uh, mid nineties. I'm still living off it. Too bloody right. <laughs> that's amazing, and actually that kind of leads on to my next question, which I wanted to know: How do you define success for yourself? Well, success for myself is 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 making sure that that the, whoever I'm working with, whether it's a team such as Williams, whether it was when the days of BMW, whether it's when I'm working with Andy Prio, um, I make sure that you know that, that there's 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 a you know positive articles and truthful articles, and and you know I perhaps help journalists find something that they wouldn't normally, you know, that, 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 that they, they find a different angle. And I think that's part of what we, we need to do is, is rather than say, oh, yeah, we've we just won this race or that race, just find something a little bit behind the scenes. That thing that's gone unknown, but actually was key to that weekend or actually just a lovely story, something really nice that's happening that no one knows about. I love finding those. And it's almost always the human element, of course. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, at the moment, the human element that's coming out of, of Formula One 
uh, you know, with the ventilator project, with people going back, like, you know, Williams, our lovely Sue, our occupational health lady, going back to to nursing after 20 years. Oh. We've got guys out there doing great things, delivering to, to, to you know, people who are in, in lockdown or, you know, they're, they're people who really could become very ill. Those sort of things, I think, are lovely, you know, as I say. And over a weekend, you, you can come across, okay, it's not quite as emotive as at the moment, but you've come across a, somebody who does something or, you know, there's, there's some little bit that they, they've got in there. And it's, just, it's just nice. I've never been prouder of my sport than when I saw how quickly we took on ventilator-related projects or anything to do with what's going on at the moment. And we put all the innovation, all the speed that we know how to use to such important use. Yeah, it was lovely. It was great. It was great. I, I I used to be on calls every morning at eight o'clock and just hearing the guys and what they were doing. And it was. It's fantastic. Yeah. Given actually your wide rostrum of clients and you've had some clients forever. I mean, Andy Prio, how long have you worked with him? Uh, since, what's it, 2000? Well, I got to know him. Yeah, I, got, I met him in 2002. It's 2003, I think now I've been working with him. Yeah, not not a small stint. <laughs> no, he's needy. He's needy. No, he's a, I love that family. I mean, obviously, I saw the children grow up, the most delightful children. I, I always said, never wanted children, but if I had to have them, if they were like Seb and Daniel Prio, I, I, I wouldn't mind. But uh, And Joe and the family and his dad, and they're just, just the nicest people. It's lovely that you're speaking about his family, because I wanted to ask you exactly that. How have you balanced your family and friends expectation with the work that you have to do? Because it takes us away so much. How do you actually balance your work and your life? It's difficult. I mean, I've missed a lot of family events, weddings, funerals, you know, those sort of things. You have. And I think the trouble is, you just, you know, when you get into this life, you, you have to accept that it is it's not something you do nine to five and you're home in the evening and you can say, oh, well, um, I need a day off to go and do this or my cousin's getting married and so and so. Um, you have to decide whether the job or will come first and it has to. And I, I feel, you know, I know a lot of people, obviously, um, it's easier these days because when I, when I first started, I was the press officer and that was me. I was the press officer. I didn't have a social media person I didn't have anybody else so if I had something else that weekend tough and then now you know let's be honest say most press officers will will do a bit of a rotor so you can but yeah I mean I it's it's, it's a shame but there you go and I had a job to do I love my job and if I you know had to miss out on some things because I was the other side of the world or because you know, that had to happen and you know that that that's life, and um, my family understand. I mean, I'm being being a motorsport family; they they appreciated it, and so it's a. Um, I mean, a lot of friends. Obviously, you end up your friends are your motorsport friends. I've I've got a. I mean, I, I have got some friends. You know, sort of my, my perhaps my best friend out of the sport. We used to share a flat, and she was a she was a, a fabric designer for Sanderson's, and she always used to laugh about what I was up to. And we see each other, we, we, we talk every, about once a month and we see each other whenever we can. Um, but most of my other friends are motorsport friends. They're, they're, because that's, they understand that's what you do. Uh, and you, you, let's be honest, you, you, you can socialize together because you're away together. So, so it's easier that way. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
And don't you find going through the traveling experience and, and actually working such long hours alongside each other, if not together, it, that breaks down a lot of barriers. You actually end up with some people that know you really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you're, yeah, you're, you're spending hours in airports together. You're, you know, you're, you could be on buses or trains or, you know, um, yeah, you're just standing, standing in F1 TV pens holding a, dictaphone machine and standing next door to and chatting away and you know, and hoping that the tv camera doesn't catch you chattering and laughing which it normally invariably does because it's it's not the one in front of you it's the one behind you catches but things like that but yeah yeah no it's a uh, and that's nice because you've got a lot in common haven't you you invariably talk about work but then our work is our life it's not it's not we don't do work and life there are no there there's no oh your work's there and your life's there in what work we do because it, it all blurs into one completely meshed isn't it you can't it takes too long anyway so if we were trying to segment the two you wouldn't you'd get no time no no do you have can you identify a proudest moment so far and did you get a chance to celebrate it oh Damon winning the world championship without doubt yes and yes we did get time to celebrate it it was it was amazing it was surreal we we you know we and actually, it's funny because it was actually even nicer, the fact that it happened in Japan. Though we were a long way from home, it meant that time-wise, the, the, the stuff we did worked. And, I mean, I remember, you know, he, we did all the press conferences and all that sort of thing. And then then the party started. But I'd still got a press release to write. I'd still got people queuing up in the UK, like the David Frost programme. Um, my you know, Sky and those sort of people, they, they were queuing up. But when they came on air for the breakfast programs to interview Damon, the problem was we'd all had a, well, some of us had a few drinks by that point, and and we didn't have you know nice motorhomes and areas and terraces. We had one room, which was where I was writing. The the caterers were cooking, the engineers were, were working, and Frank was on his on his frame with his with his physios, you know, doing his stuff. And we were doing that all in one room with hell breaking loose with David Coulsard running in and covered in in um, salad dressing and <laughs> Michael Schumacher coming in with a bucket of water and, and things like that. And you, you think, well, this, this is crazy. And then, you know, then then won all that all over. And we you went to the to the log cabin that used to be at Suzuka. And we were all we were in all in this big karaoke cabin with Michael and Dame and a whole gang of us and then on the plane the train the next day up to Tokyo to do lots more interviews we did CNN we went and did it from the Reuters offices and then we went off with a pile of journalists all the, the national guys who'd come with us like the Mail and the Express and the Times and the Telegraph and went off to Roppongi and and went to the Cavern Club and there was Damon on the stage singing "Drive My Car" with the with the lookalike Japanese Beatle band, you know things like that. I'm having to laugh silently. <laughs> just, just... Oh, it was! I tell you, it was it was when Michael Schumacher rushed through the door with his bucket of water and stood in front of Frank, and you could see he was thinking, "Should I throw this bucket of water over Frank or not?" And you could see it, and then at which point he looked round, turned round, and ran out again. DC then proceeded to explain to 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 to, to, um, 
Frank, why he was right to sack him because he was useless. And oh, it was it was hilarious. It, it was just such a such a fun thing. Everybody was there was the guy who used to run the the um, motorhome for for Bernie and for Rothmans, a guy called Karl Heinz Zimmerman, was upstairs giving everybody snaps. And there was Gerhard Berger was was cutting the legs off the jeans of the local Japanese ladies who were getting terribly excited. It was it was it was all you know. It's one of those things. It was good, clean fun. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And um, if I may, I'd like to ask you about the flip side, which is, have you had to experience some low points? And I hope, you know, have you recovered? How did you recover? Well, May first, ninety four. You know, you don't recover because you know you you're you're sad, and something that you love has suddenly become very emotional and very sad. Um, you you have to go onto autopilot. I mean, I've had other drivers injured. I mean, Nigel Mansell in Suzuka, and also in once when he went through six layers of catch fencing in the in. Um, Paul Ricard, you know, he's he was prone to doing those sorts of things, bless him. Uh, but yeah, nothing, you know, and you just have to go on autopilot. You have to become professional. I mean, you have so many people to think about, not just yourself, because you have a, you know, obviously you have the driver, you, you have his family, obviously the media have a story. And also the most important thing that people tend to forget, you have a team there who've been working on that car and those guys are wondering if they've done something wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, people tend to forget that human side of it. You know, they, obviously it's devastating for the family. You've lost somebody you love. But, you know, this engineer is, is it mechanic. You know, the guy put the car together. And, you know, and obviously people like Patrick Head and, and Adrian Newey who designed the car. And Frank, who it was his dream to get air in the car. Those sort of things. You just have to. Yeah, you know, and you 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 just have to go on to do everything by remote and just make sure everything's done professionally, and you don't 
put anything out that that's, that can be misconstrued. And but you actually look after those people and make sure that they all know where they stand. Make sure that the media get what they want, but they don't intrude in, into into a private grief and things like that. So it's yeah, that's that was yeah, there were so many elements to that, and so many people who were who were amazing who helped us out and you know did little things like well, I say little things like like Tony Dodgins, bless him. I ended up, I wasn't due to fly home till the next day. I ended up at 11 o'clock at night in Gatwick. And my car was was at home in Ealing and, you know, and, you know, and the guy just right driving you home and totally out of the way. And he drove for about three hours out of the way to drop me off home. And, you know, little things like that. Yeah, and yeah, and also the people at the airport knew that we had problems and said, "Look, you know, they they messaged us on the plane, anything we could do." And we got them. To, they took Damon and Geordie out the back door and and put barriers up, made sure that you know, and and then let me out early to go and talk to the media. So you know, a lot of people were very mindful of of the sort of thing. I was there was my friend Jane Gorard. We worked together there. She she was with me as well. So we. We just, you know, we, we were able to make, you know, just just do our job, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And, you know, Frank, obviously, you, you he was very strong. I mean, yeah, he's, he, you know, he'd been through it before, hadn't he? Obviously, back in the old days with Piers Courage, but he still, he was very, very good. And he just looked at us and said, if you think you're going to cry, put your sunglasses on. You know, and that was the best, best advice I had. And, you know, all sorts of Louise Goodman, she, she, she knew we we got a problem, so she drove us to the airport and things like that. Yeah, you know, all those people. There were, you know, it became a community. Nobody was nobody was trying to score points or say, oh, you know, uh, they were just all trying to help us, which was which was phenomenal. But it was tough. It was, and it, it didn't stop there because the whole week, then stories were coming out, and we got a whole pile of people coming to the factory. Very respectful, a lot of Brazilians who I'm still in touch with to this day. Leaving, oh. they bring us, they bring us flowers, bring us cakes, leave scarves and and flags, and and obviously also the breakfast programs wanted interviews. I remember sitting on my sofa at about six in the morning with them in my off with my flat and things like that. Um, it 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 went on and on, and it went on for weeks and months because obviously what yeah, but um, that was that was the low, and you know. Ethan was doing what he loved doing. He was a racing driver, and uh, you, you know, you, nobody should die for the, for, for anything they love. But that you know, you know the risks in certain in in certain sports, in certain things you do, you have to know and accept the risks, and and that's part of of accepting what you do and loving what you do. And it's the same for us. We know that when we show up for work, that's one of the risks that we might have to deal with. Yeah, and and we all have a crisis plan, and we all we all make sure we know what to do, and you know, don't say this and don't say that, and this person can talk. That. And we all we, we've all got that document which we hope we will never use, but we have it, and that's part of we have to we have to make sure we've got it. I really wish I wouldn't be able to relate so well to what you've just been saying, but unfortunately, um, I have, and uh, we do recently, and I I cannot wait for the day where the 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 time that span from the last one is, you know, too long for us to have to remember it. Yeah, we yes. still have the document. Well, that's right. And but you know, and you did. You had you had a 
a family to think about and 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 you they needed you to be professional yeah they needed your they needed you to sort of take the hand and, and make sure that they were looked after they they were respected and 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 that's that's important why why we do what we do we have to be have to be ready for the good as the bad and 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 they will look to you and 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 it's a testament to how that played out because it was it was it was desperately sad but it was handled in a very respectful way i love the fact that you referenced community i speak about motorsport a lot as if it's a family once you're there the the network that you have available to you and the way we actually all work together within the paddock because it's not just team and team is it it's all the press officers know each other and work together all the communal support the fia everything it's um it's a it's a massive circus but it's also a massive family oh yeah yeah i mean it's uh over the years some of the great times i've had just with with other press officers the pr people and just just all sitting down bitching about people or saying letting off steam just bitching between ourselves you know god they did annoy me when he asked that sort of thing I like to compare notes. It makes me feel better. <laughs> yes, yes. You think I'm not the only person who's that person annoyed this week. What um, actually, whilst we're talking about one of the things I love about motorsport, what what do you love the most about this crazy industry that we work in? Oh gosh, um, oh, I'm just a fan. I think that you know, it's it's a. I mean, I'm sad. I I I'm so missing it. I'm watching esports races. Oh, <laughs> God. Everybody who knows me knows me. Me and esports, we're we're not good bedfellows. <laughs> but uh, I was there on Sunday watching watching uh, Monaco, and uh, I was getting I was getting excited. Sam kept saying, "It's not real, you know. It's not real." I said, "No, no, but we're leading." I like you know. I, I don't, it's just been a, a thing that I've always enjoyed. Um, I'm a fan of the sport. I I love all all motorsports, two and four. I mean, I I consider myself. Like you said, they're motorsport, not an F1 person. I'm a motorsport person, and I, you know, I, when I was young. My my parents about two miles up the road. There was a there was a, a little scrambling course in, in in the field. I used to get on the bikes and go on there on the Sunday just to watch that. And I could just I just like the I like the competitiveness. I like what people get up to. I like their passion, and it it, it inspires me. And that's what I love about it because you're seeing people. Passionate about what they do, doing it, often at their own detriment because they're spending all the money on it. But it's something I enjoy, and and, and I, I just love love what they're doing. And I think it's I like it whether it's Formula One, whether it's touring cars, you know, sports cars, you know, you name it. Even at the moment now, esports. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's still competitive. There's still a massive competitive element. I love how they've all taken to it. I mean, it, it, it you know, being good at those esports isn't just sitting there, get, getting there, twitching it on. These guys like George and Charles, they are practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're spending hours. Yeah. And you, you feel somebody, sorry for somebody who is a very good driver, but doesn't quite get it or hasn't got the time or hasn't just, you know, it just isn't their thing. And you think, oh, you know, People are going to be watching and saying, oh, he's useless. But they don't, people aren't taking into consideration. This is a very different thing that they're doing now. And I, I, I feel a bit sorry for them, but it's keeping us going, isn't it? 
you referenced it and actually really wanted to ask you in in your career how have you kept things fresh and kept yourself motivated keep learning keep growing when by definition the sport that we do any motorsport is actually quite repetitive over a week or over a year you know, you've still got the season it's quite well structured so how do you keep things fresh for yourself and how do you keep learning well I mean I've I've kept myself obviously fresh for myself because I've done lots of different things I'm not just an f1 um and I you know I I had three amazing years covering sports car racing the, the IMSA championship in America which I loved I absolutely loved and I'd go back there tomorrow. I love it. Um, so I, I work with Andy Prio, so follow his stuff. No two years are the same. So I, I, I don't find, you know, different drivers and different cars. And, and But I do, like, I do like to keep, like W Series. I mean, that to me was just amazing, just doing something so different. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I, that was such fun last year. And again, you know, it's different. The people I... Obviously, a lot of them people like Matt Bishop and and those sort of people who I'd worked I worked alongside. I didn't work with them as such, but I with journalists or fellow PR people, and it was just lovely to do something different. And and I just found the whole thing so refreshing. I mean, I know uh, yeah, when it first came out, I thought, oh, do we need just an all women that? But I was soon a convert, and it was just so nice to do something very different, have a lot of fun. I mean, we did have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes. A lot of fun. I mean, it looked like, like a lot of fun. In and out of the car. Saturday nights was a lot of fun. Um, and the great, the great drivers. They were so lovely. I mean, you know, as I say, you've got so many great from around the world. I mean, it's, it's you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pick one out. Obviously, you know, you, you you get closer to some others, but they all they just made it a great championship. And I think that's that's my thing. And let's say even you know, like with with F one, though, I've been in and out of it a few years doing things i still i still like to to look because it doesn't stand still you know i'm I'm not i'm not an engineer and i'm not i'm not don't pretend to know all those things but it's still i find it fascinating you know like when we, we arrived in barcelona and mercedes had come up with something new i thought and everybody's getting excited that's that's what we should be doing you know that if we're at the top of our sport you can't just turn up with the same old thing. And I love the fact that that somebody, some bright spark who should be Einstein, was sitting there in Brackley, coming up with that. I thought, no, that that's that that just keeps me entertained, excited, and yeah. And I think the sport doesn't stagnate. Um, it never does. I mean, I know people complain. Oh well, it's always Mercedes this, and it's boring this. They did that with Williams. We were we were winning all the time, but so what? You know, we did the best job, and let's let's say somebody does a good job, and you say, "Well done." Somebody does a bad job, you say, "Well, learn from the person who's doing the good job and do better." And to me, that's 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 whatever you're doing in life, and I, I like that. And you look at some of the teams that have had gone through bad times, and then suddenly back up there it's because they've done a good job and, and it's good to see that and I, I like that that's what I like the world I live in I like seeing that I don't like seeing people just the same in same day in day out yeah naturally I find fine we you know if Mercedes keeps on winning of course we'll moan about it because we want to be winning yeah we do all support each other and we do actually recognize that 
yeah, they are the best right now. And it's yeah. on our job to to beat them. It's not on them to bring their standard down or on us to bitch about them. It's for us to work harder and, yeah. and be more clever and beat them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back in the days when we were up the top there, Frank always used to say, there's no such thing as total domination. Somebody will overtake you because while you're while you're trying to stay there, they're they're not don't have that pressure and they're looking every which way to try and overtake you. And it, mm-hmm. it happened it, it happened with Williams, it happened with Ferrari, it happened with, with um Red Bull. You know, it'll it'll happen. It'll happen again and somebody will come up and there you go. And that's 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 what that's what's great. What about on the flip side and stress? How do you handle stress? Do you even get stressed? Don't do stress. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can worry about things, and and you know, you, I I see things. Oh God, that really. And I and I, I, it goes over in my brain, but I don't. I don't think it stresses me out because then I then I'm I'm not clear minded enough to work out how I'm going to cope with it. And it's, I mean, yeah, I, I'd say I worry. I worry about doing it the right way, but stress. Yeah, I, I and I feel for people who, who stress because I know a lot of people who stress, and 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 they they stress over much more important things than than my little worries, you know, about how I'm going to de- how I'm going to deal with a journalist who I know is going to come and ask difficult questions, and you you, you worry about how you're going to deal with it. But compared to people who have to make life and death decisions, you know, if they're in the national health, like these people at the moment who are looking after people who are desperately ill that stress you know because you know it's going to be there the next day and you know you don't know how you can deal with it with me you know, journalists is difficult well so be it you know we'll have forgotten there'll be something else coming they can write about something else the next time so no big deal <laughs> no big deal no it is at the time if i'm so annoyed but it's no big deal <laughs> this might make my next question redundant i wanted to ask you how do you relax how do you switch off but you might not need to Oh well, I suppose. How do I switch off? Um, well, my two dogs, my gardening. Yeah. I got my got my two dogs. Got Elvis and Priscilla, my Pekingese, and they just they're just calming and lovely. And yeah, gardening, bottle of wine, nice gin and tonic. I'm very lucky where I live. I live in a little village in the middle of the country, but very near to civilization. If I want civilization, and can get most things I want. Um, and that, yeah, I think I think that just just having some having somewhere to come back to that that you're happy in it in, in your, that you are happy coming back to it and uh, yeah no just to come into a, an atmosphere where I I actually can relax and that's good and every so often you know you you think oh I'll I'll sit down and watch a movie I mean and that relaxes me I watched yeah. Top Gun for the two thousandth time the other night just had to it's it's Frank Williams's favorite movie and I agree with him and he just I I said that you know. I can, you know, things like that, and I, I'm not the person who will come in and and watch box sets of Game of Thrones and anything like that. But every so often, I'll just do that or put some music on and just just wander around and, and pick out weeds and dance and dance. I'm not very good. Dance my dustbin. I danced my dustbin yesterday. I wanted to ask you for your advice, but not necessarily for me. I wanted your advice because you've done this for a while. Um, I think you've got it nailed. And for a lot of the people that are actually listening who come to us, I know you get a lot of people coming to you asking about working in motorsport. What advice would you give them? The, the advice has changed a bit over the years because in the old days, I'd, I'd say to them, well, 
uh, like for instance, if you join your car club, join your local car club, and see if you can you know, get involved with them because they all, you know, they used to all run race meetings, and you could perhaps write articles for their local their magazine, and then from that get to know people in the sport, and you know, even help out with teams and that. So it was that that was one thing I always used to recommend to people. Nowadays, I, I say, well, make sure that. You know, if you want to do PR, you know, then if most people are going to college or university, make sure it is related to that because there are lots of marketing PR-based things that you can get involved with, a lot of, of courses, degrees. And it that's always helpful. I mean, a few, few people I've come across recently have done that and have gone on to get really good jobs in the sports. There's... Um, young girl who who came and and got in touch with the w series who who just loved the sport she was she was an older girl she was in her 30s and done lots of things but she'd gone back to university and done done sort of marketing and pr and 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 and, uh, broadcasting and she's now working for bbc wales and got a brilliant job in the sport department there uh and so i say you know do try and that sort of thing look at look at don't, don't just look at formula one because there are obviously race circuits there are sponsors there are formula two formula three teams obviously the money there isn't quite from one money but but spread your net and and yeah sadly you know in the old days you could you could you could contact autosport and say oh i'm going so and so have you got anybody covering it i'll cover it for you and they'd, they'd take your article it's not like that these days sadly because there aren't the the, the magazines and things that, that 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 have that sort of thing but I mean a lot, a lot of people who I have worked with over the years I mean that they actually did that you know they actually would would write in as a lovely lovely Peter Fubister who he he was a civil servant in Scotland and we met him on a rally and he used to be our he'd ring in every Monday with all the, the news from the Scottish rallying scene and when I when I gave it my job there I persuaded him to come and take it and but he'd already been doing stuff for us and writing articles i know a lot of people now come in via agencies and and you know they'll, they'll go in those but i so so there is you know there's that because there are a lot of sponsors who are more proactive and want somebody doing pr marketing that sort of thing but um i still think that you know to trying to get in a little more on the ground floor you you then if you're at the grassroots you you get to understand the sport and and i i I'm always disappointed when I come across people in, in a paddock who, who if I mention Andy Pree, I wouldn't know I'm talking about, or you know, sort of yeah. Jason Plato, or you know, like when I in the states, you know, sort of I I got Joey Hand and the, sort of who are amazing people, and John, Johnny Jonathan Edwards and those sort of things, but they don't know who I'm talking about because they're so fixated. And I always say, just look at other forms of the sport because there are a lot of things out there two four wheels karting and that there's so much out there that you could get involved in and then work your way up and be in the right place at the right time and just yeah you you know you never know who you're going to meet absolutely that's one of the things I love the most I I did that I went through I mean I I used to have bets with some of the people that were racing in the younger categories whether they would get to Formula One first or I would and um and I've made my way around I've worked in touring car and everything and what I love the most is that I can walk into any paddock 
almost anywhere and I'll know people. Yeah. And that's not, that doesn't come from just staying in one, one lane. Yeah. I mean, when a lot of people, I'm sure you get it. People say, oh, how do I get into Formula One? And that's, that's the thing. And I start off and say, motorsport. how do get into motorsport? Don't, don't categorize motorsport and Formula One as one of them. You know, it's not. And you, you know, unless you're very lucky, you're not just going to walk into a job because people like to know that you've got a bit of experience. But look at a wider, the wider issue, and look at look at other forms. Definitely. What about advice that someone's given you that you've kept for yourself and you've used to this day? Oh, don't, don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> Perfect advice. Don't take yourself, and you, you can't. I mean. I walk into a Formula One paddock and I see a lot of people, really lovely people. And I see people who think because they've got a bit of plastic around the neck that lets them into, you know, that, that, that you know, which, who are the animals and who are the, you know, which, which side are the animals? Um, and they think that that makes them different or special. Yeah, don't take yourself to, you're just, you're doing a job you love. Enjoy that. But don't, don't, don't strut around as though you, you know, you've, you've made it. Because you haven't. You're just, you're just one cog. One little cog in a big wheel and have fun, enjoy it. But the day you, you actually start taking yourself seriously, then it's a, you'll stop enjoying it because you'll be too you'll be too fixated on your own image. You'll be too self-involved. You won't be yeah. looking around seeing everything that's awesome that's going on around you. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm so glad you said that. Final question. I can't believe it. I could speak to you for hours. What are you most looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? Ah. Obviously, I'm looking forward to racing starting when it can be safe and 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 it's the right time. I'm looking forward to the unknown. I'm looking forward to the next team to come up. You know, I'm looking forward to to to, to just seeing what which direction our sport is going to take. You know, who's going to come up through? You know, I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to be the next Lewis Hamilton. You know, I want to know. I mean, I want to know who out of Verstappen, Albon, Russell, Leclerc, Norris. I want to know which one of those. I'm looking forward to finding out which one of those is going to become the the, the, the next world champion. I'm looking forward to, to who's going to. I'm looking forward to seeing the the new regs when they come out. You know, in 2022. I hope they. You know, I hope it's not 2025 or something. I'm looking forward to seeing how the teams will cope with with a very big seismic change in in, in the sport. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to enjoying more years following a sport that that has kept me entertained for fifty, and you know might keep me entertained for one or two more. I hope not just one or two. <laughs> well, no, I'm. You'd be. I, I wish people would stop asking me when I'm going to retire. Because why would I retire when I'm enjoying myself? And you know, people say, "Well, when are you going to retire?" I say, "Well, why should I? You know, this is this isn't work. This is having fun." If this is work, then bring it on. Wise words to end the interview on. And thank you so, so, so much for doing this. Thank you. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And let's look forward to the time when we can sit face to face with a, a bottle of something between us. And, and, and I can tell you some of the stories I couldn't tell you on live. Neil, I'm bringing the rosé and it's going to be from the south of France. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. That was the one and only Anne Bradshaw, everyone, and I cannot express how thankful I am to her for giving up her time and coming on here to have a chat. 
I'm also really, really looking forward to that glass of rosé one day soon. I'll never be able to tell the stories, but I know I'm going to giggle the whole time. If you'd like to know more about Anne, just type her full name, Anne Bradshaw, and then add F1 into your internet browser. That's it. That's how well known she is within our sport. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe via your favourite podcast platform. Tell your friends, post about it on social media. It all means so much and I read every message and every mention. You can also get in touch directly, of course, if you'd like. That's via my Instagram account, which is Pandia, P-A-N-D-E-A. Thanks very much for listening and speak to you next week.